So Jesus, he wants transformation in our lives. When he preached that the kingdom of God is here, it wasn't some cloud up in the sky. It wasn't some, you know, something that we'll never be able to experience. It's not just a belief system. Now, believing is really important. The way we believe correct theology is great. I love correct theology. But theology is literally the study of God's nature. So you study someone's nature, you're meant to experience them. It's meant to lead you into an experience. In the Greek, the word repent literally means changing the way you think. So you change the way you think, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change the way you think and it will lead you into an experience with the kingdom of God. See, Jesus preached this and he wasn't just expecting societies to stay the same. He wasn't just expecting people to stay the same. He was saying, repent, change the way you think because I can take five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 people. Repent, change the way you think because the kingdom of God here, it's a supernatural kingdom and I can take 12 fishermen and turn them into mighty men of God who can transform a nation. Come on, come on. This is really important to understand that the kingdom of God is here, but it's here for us to experience. And many believers, I'm convinced that many Christians, they, they, they have correct, yep, they believe in Jesus, Jesus rose for me, I have a relationship with God, but they never experience the kingdom in their life. And so it's my heart, my deep desire for you today, and as you go out from this message that this week, is that you'll experience God's kingdom. You'll experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Come on, I'll read enough of the Bible to know that, that God is a God of power. Jesus, Jesus exampled the kingdom to us and it wasn't just good teaching. What was it? It was a demonstration. Come on. He put on a fireworks display. That's what Jesus did. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He, he went in. He changed people's hearts. Come on. This is the kingdom of God. Are we ready? <laughs> So God wants transformation. The gospel, I often say this, the gospel for so long has been preached that believe in Jesus and you won't go to hell. And you know what? That is not what the gospel is. That's actually not the good news. The good news is that you believe in Jesus and then Jesus comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. He comes into your heart and transforms you. That's the gospel is that you believe in Jesus and man goes into God and God comes into man and he transforms your life from the inside out. Come on, that's the gospel, is that I'm not just getting saved from something, but I'm getting saved to do something. I thought you'd like that. All right. I, uh, I was on a camp. I've been doing a lot of camping lately. And uh, that's why I'm so excited, because I love camping. And we were, uh, there was a, uh, it was with a few students from, our, uh, from my work, and there was a teenage girl there, and this is just a really good example for you. She was struggling with uh, panic attacks and anxiety at night. She couldn't sleep properly. And so if this is you, if there's people here who, who can't sleep properly, if you suffer with anxiety and panic attacks, then listen up because this will build your faith. Jesus wants to set you free today. And, uh, and so I was speaking to her a bit about God and uh, she didn't know anything about God, anything about Jesus. And so I started talking to her about how 
you know, Jesus loves you so much. He, he wants to come into your life. He wants to set you free. He wants to bring purpose to your life. He wants to bring passion to your life. He wants to show you who you are. And, uh, and anyway, uh, I ended up praying for her, for her anxiety, things like that. And, uh, and I prayed with her to receive Jesus. That night, that night she goes to sleep. I wake up the next morning. I'm having breakfast and she comes over to me. And uh, it was a really powerful moment because she hadn't had a proper sleep in four years' time. And she was only about 15, 16 years old. And she came to me and she said, this is the first night that I've had a decent sleep in years. Come on. And see, that's the power of God's kingdom. That's the power of the kingdom. Is she experienced that? It's that Jesus comes and he sets us free. So we believe in God, but then all of a sudden God comes in and he transforms our life. So I want to show you today from a passage in John chapter 5. I want to show you the ability of Jesus, how easy it is for God to transform your life. How easy it is for God to take you from hopelessness to hope. How easy it is for Him to take you from sick to healed. How easy it is for Him to take you from a lack of purpose, don't have a great job, to all of a sudden being released into your assignment and impacting the seven mountains of society which we talk about so much. Are we ready for that? John chapter 5. This is the third miracle of Jesus. If you know the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John reveals Jesus as the Son of God. That's the purpose of John's Gospel. There are seven signs, seven miracles in this Gospel that were fulfilled, that were prophesied about that the Messiah had to fulfill. And Jesus fulfilled them. This is the third miracle. The number three is the number of resurrection. Jesus rose on the third day. Amen. So this miracle reveals the resurrection power of Jesus, all right? Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there, in, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, and in, and in, in my translation, it says hundreds so there were hundreds of disabled people here. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. For an angel went down at a certain season into the water and troubled the water, stirred it up. And whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made whole of whatever disease he had. So they were all sitting there waiting. They're all sitting there waiting to be made whole. And this thing was seasonal. You can guess how, how, how that would work for many people. The people had been there for a long time. The blind, the paralyzed, the lame. They were at the sheep gate. The sheep gate was an entryway into Jerusalem. We know that Jerusalem is the house of peace. That's what it means. The house of shalom, peace, wholeness in our life. They're at the entryway to Jerusalem. They're in Bethesda. Bethesda is the house of mercy or the house of God's tender loving kindness. Are you getting the picture here? They're surrounded by five covered colonnades all around them. We know that five is the number of grace. We are in a covenant of grace with God, amen, where it's by faith in God and we get God's unmerited, unearned, undeserved kindness, favour and blessing. The best thing about it 
is you never have to earn it. You don't deserve it. It's all by faith. All these people, they're sitting there. They're not progressing. They're stuck. They're not moving forward in life. Not a great place to be. Yet, they've got so much chance for transformation and change. They're surrounded by grace. They're surrounded by God's tender, loving kindness and mercy. They're at the entryway into their wholeness, but they're stuck. An interesting picture. I believe that this is a picture of the world we live in. This is a picture of people. It can be a picture of us in our lives. How we're living in God's mercy. Who knows that for God so loved the world, God has poured his spirit out onto mankind. That happened in Acts chapter 1, 2, 3. He poured his spirit out. out. The Holy Spirit is here, even though you can't see him. The Holy Spirit's in the brothels. The Holy Spirit's on every street corner in Melbourne. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. God's poured his spirit out. He's poured his glory out on the earth. Yet, so many people, sometimes us, we are like these people, blind, paralyzed, lame, where we're not receiving it. We're completely oblivious to what God is doing. We're completely oblivious to the Holy Spirit in our life. Yet we're in the house of tender, loving mercy. We're in the house of kindness. See, this can be a picture of our lives where, where what we do is instead of going to God, we try and get fulfillment, purpose, breakthrough, healing from everything else. We, we, we try to find hope from a relationship. We try to find hope in our work. We try to find purpose in our work. We try to get healing from everything else but God. Now, that's okay, but it's, it's very interesting how we never go to God first. Come on. And these people, they're, they're, they're trying to get everything from this pool, yet they're surrounded by God. They're trying to get all their fulfillment in life. They're trying to get their purpose, their identity from this pool rather than God. And see, what we do is we stand at the entryway to the kingdom of God. We're like this, we're at the sheep gate and we've got Jerusalem ahead of us, but we're stuck at the doorway to the kingdom. Many, of people, many people are stuck at the doorway and we never progress forward. We're stuck, we're not transforming, we're not changing and then we begin to blame it on God, not realising that we're fully surrounded by His grace, His favour and His blessing in our life. Are we getting this? All right. So let's look at verse 6. Verse 5, sorry, move to verse 5. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. This is a long time. Invalid means he was paralyzed, he was disabled, so he couldn't walk properly. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. In other words, this man's saying, yeah, I kind of want to get well, but my situation's hopeless. There's no hope for me. I can't get healed. I'm stuck in this relationship. It's breaking down. There's no hope for me. It won't work out. I'm stuck in this sickness. Uh, God's done it for other people, but there's no one to help me. 
Holy Spirit's never come to help me, and so it's not going to work out for me. This is my lot in life. This is what this man is saying. The invalid, he had been there for 38 years. That's a long time. Imagine all the great friends he would have made at the pool in those 38 years. I'm sure there were a lot of people, the same as him, who were justifying all his excuses. I can't do it, Jesus. Everyone else goes down before him. Oh, yeah, that's true. You are, you are disabled. You're paralyzed. You know, you can't do that. You can't, you, this is your lot in life. It's interesting how often in life we get friends to justify our situation. And so he's at this pool. I, I just think of this man. I mean, whether it was his fault or not, imagine what is going through his head. Imagine all the lies that he's believing about himself. Imagine how he's defining his whole life by his pain, by his situation. Yet, yet, he's surrounded by the favour and the grace of God. Yet, he's in the house of tender loving kindness and mercy. He's at the doorway to his breakthrough, but he's stuck in 38 years of pain, 38 years of experience and unbelief. He'd be thinking, well, I'm the most hopeless situation here. I've got no future. There's no future for me. I've got no family. They've left me. I, I, I've, got, I've got no legs, so I can't walk. I can't work. I can't do any of this. He'd be, he's, the, he's probably thinking his relationship with God. God, where are you? God, you, you're doing this for every other person. What about me, God? You know, is God really good? Is, is God for me or is he against me? Did God do this to me? All these things this man would be thinking. I love it how Jesus, he could have gone to anyone at that pool. There were hundreds of people there. But this is God. This is how much I love God. He goes to the most hopeless case. Come on. Jesus goes, he gets to this pool and he's like, all right, who am I going to heal today? Who am I going to set free today? Who am I going to transform? Who am I going to show myself to? Who am I going to release into their destiny? And he goes to the most hopeless person there. Why? So every other blind, paralyzed, paralyzed lame man that was there, every other person could see that this is what God can do in a life. If he's done it for this man, then he'll do it for me. If he's done it for the most hopeless case, then surely he'll do it in my life. See, Jesus went to the most hopeless person to show us that nothing is impossible for God. Come on. See, I, I think maybe Jesus knew that Mark would write down in the New Testament, in his gospel, in Mark chapter 10, verse 27, that nothing is impossible for God. With man, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And Jesus is like, well, I better prove that. I better prove that here. See, we, we get so caught up in our impossibilities. Well, God can't change this in my life. I'll, I'll, never, I'll, never get, uh, I'll never get the desires of my heart. I'll never get free. I'll never get healed. We get caught up in our impossibilities. I'm here to tell you today that God is the God of the possible. Amen? Come on. He can take, so he can take, if he can take this invalid, this, this 38-year-old, not 38 years old, he was older than that, he'd been stuck in the same situation for 38 years. If he can go to this man and as we're about to see, transform his life, then I'm pretty sure he can solve the problem you're in today. I'm pretty sure that he can release you into your destiny. Amen? 
So read this in John chapter 5, verse 6. Jesus knew he was in this condition for a long time. Jesus knew he was in this condition for a long time. God knows you. Come on. Some people feel really far from God today, but God knows you. God knows, Psalm, chapter, Psalm 139 says that he formed you in the womb. He, he formed your purpose, your assignment for your life. He knows you're going in, you're going out. He even knows the very words that you're about to speak before you even know them. God knows you better than you know yourself. Come on. God created you. He formed you. He knows you intimately. He knew this man. Jesus knew this man's thoughts. Jesus knew everything this man was going through. And the, good, the, the amazing thing about that is he knew what this man needed for his breakthrough. God knows what you need for your breakthrough. Amen? And Jesus is close to you today. Remember, you're in the house of tender loving kindness and mercy. God is for you. Romans 8, nothing can separate you from the love of God today. Amen? You are surrounded by God's grace and God's favour. I'm going to keep saying it because there's people here and you don't believe it. You think this has been my lot in life. I've never been healed. I've never gotten my breakthrough. I've never been able to transform. Come on. But God loves you today. Jesus knows you and he's coming to bring you transformation. He's coming to heal you today. He's coming to set you free. Come on. This is the power of the kingdom. So Jesus asked this question, and you don't have to be Einstein to work out the answer. Do you want to get well? That's a really good question. Do you want to get well? Why does Jesus ask that? Of course the man wants to get well. I know Jesus is asking that because he really wants to know, are you willing? Are you willing to change? Are you willing to partner with God? Are you willing to receive transformation in your life? Think about this man. See, I think sometimes if, if he answered no, see, there's a reason Jesus asked this question because he knows that if he heals this man, this man's life will be completely changed. And will he be ready for that? All of a sudden, he'll be able to walk all of a sudden, he'll be able to live in greater responsibility. He'll have to go find a job. He'll have to, he'll, maybe he'll go find a wife. That'd be fun. Maybe he'll have to go and, and, and he'll have to go serve people. He'll have to be of value to the community. Come on. Everything will change for this man once he gets well. So Jesus asked the question, are you willing are you willing for change and transformation in your life? Uh, do, do you want it? See, we have a free choice. We have free will. In Genesis, we were created that way. God created Adam in the garden, and Adam wasn't a robot that just went around and God was like the puppet master that controlled everything. No. No, Adam had responsibility in that garden. He was able to walk around and make decisions for himself. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says that Jesus is at the door, knocking on the door, and a door is always a picture of our heart in Scripture. Jesus is knocking on the door of every single person's heart, wanting to come in, wanting to come in today. That's what Jesus is doing. So that's amazing. I think that's incredible that, 
The God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, is limited to your choices. Your choice can either allow God to come and completely, radically change your life, or your choice can be like this man for 38 years where you're stuck at a pool. But that's incredible, isn't it? The amazing thing about that is that this is the power and the love of Holy Spirit, is that he's leading us into the right choices so that he can come and transform our life. Do you notice how Jesus didn't try and get this man to come to him? Jesus always initiates it. So the Holy Spirit will always initiate change in your life. He'll always come to you. He's pursuing you. He's wooing you to transform. He's pursuing you to change. He comes along and think of Luke chapter 15. He's like the woman in the house who goes to search for the lost coin. The grace of God, the love of God pursues you in your life. But you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. You've got free will. Come on. I remember uh, it was about three, probably three, four years ago, I read in my Bible that in Mark chapter 16, verse 17 to 18, these signs shall follow those who believe. And one of those signs was that you could lay hands on the sick and they would recover of those who believe. So that's, that's you and me today. We believe. You believe in God, you can do that. Okay? You believe in Jesus. And so every day since then, Every week, not every day, I'll say every week, every month, it's like Holy Spirit's come to me and he says, are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing to do that? The reality is the majority of people never see people healed because they're not willing. The majority of people never see the power of the kingdom come in that area of their life because they're not willing to lay hands on the sick. That's the truth. And so every single week, every single month, Holy Spirit would come to me and say, are you willing? And I can tell you, there is many days where I said no. There are many times where fear or intimidation, or I'm not feeling well today, or I can't be bothered, has popped up, and I've said, no, I'm not willing today. But I can guarantee you that the times that I say, yes, I am willing, the power of God shows up. Come on. Come on. If you want to experience God, if you want to experience His kingdom today, Jesus is asking, are you willing? Are you willing just to step out? Do you want to get well or do you just want to stay back in your comfort zone? Do you want to stay back? I'm sure this man, I mean, it wasn't a great place to be, but he was pretty comfortable. I mean, he had a mat to lay on. He had some, I'm sure all his friends were getting him breakfast, lunch and dinner because he couldn't move. He had, he had a whole schedule for every day. I'm going to get up, I'm going to read my book from, you know, eight till nine. Then Joe's going to get me breakfast. And then I'm, gonna, uh, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to watch, uh, watch the birds fly around the temple. And then oh, yeah, Bob comes past at 11 so we can chat. He brings me a coffee. Come on. And it's amazing how we can get so comfortable in our situation that Jesus comes along and we say, no, we're not willing. The thing I love about this is this man, he says, I have no one to help me to get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. So he's full of excuses. He comes up with an excuse. But this is the incredible love of Jesus, right? Listen to this. This is what Jesus says. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Hello. So Jesus doesn't walk away. 
Some people think God's really harsh. Some people think, you know, that, that God's a hard taskmaster. And if I don't say yes to God, then, then he's not going to come along and change and transform me. He's not going to help me out in life. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus sees this man has a problem. And even though he, he's got an excuse, he didn't say no to Jesus. He said yes to God, figuratively. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. He got healed of 30, 38 years. He was paralyzed and he got healed. That should get you a little bit excited. Come on. The, the word of, that's the word of God today. The word of God is more powerful, the greater testimony than your friend coming to tell you that they'd been healed of 38 years of cancer, of 38 years of a damaged relationship, of 38 years of panic attacks. The word of God is a greater testimony of that because it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So when I share a testimony, it should get you really excited. Really, really excited. I mean, really. Do you notice it says, get, Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. The man was cured. He picked up his mat. So it didn't say the man was cured and then he got up and picked up his mat. It says the man was cured and he picked up his mat. That tells me that the man was healed in getting up. It was in the getting up that he was healed. Jesus spoke the word. But he wasn't healed until he got up. If that man never got up, if he never tried, he would never have been healed. And we would say, well, Jesus has no power. Our report would be, well, God spoke the word, so nah, he's got no power. God's word doesn't work in my life. God's not real. No, but it's in the man's response. It's in his response that he was healed. Jesus said, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And I could imagine this man, you know, he's, he's like, I can't. I can't move my legs. I haven't moved them in 38 years. But you just got to respond. Come on, you just got to believe what Jesus, you just got to believe. You just got to believe and get up. There comes a time in your life where you've just got to believe God when everything else in your life looks wrong, where everything else looks like the power of God isn't going to show up, where it looks hopeless. You just got to believe God and get up. It's in the getting up that the man was healed. This man could now go to the temple. This man could now, and under the covenant of law, that was a big thing. That meant he could worship God. That meant he could have a proper relationship with God under that covenant. This meant he could go get a job. He could go get some new friends. Woo! He needed some new friends. He, he could go do all this stuff. He, he could go and fulfill the call, purpose, assignment of God upon his life. All because... He believed Jesus and he responded to God's word. All because he got up. Maybe Jesus went to other people in that pool. I don't know. And maybe they didn't get up. Maybe they said it's too hard. It's too difficult. I don't want to do it today. So the two things. Are you willing? And then believe God and get up. Jesus asked the man, are you willing? Do you want to get well? Are you willing? And then he says, get up, walk, pick up your mat. Believe my words. Believe what I'm saying. Too many of us believe 
everything else going on in our life rather than believing God and believing what Jesus says. And the Bible is full of men and women of God who just believed and they got up and their life was completely changed and completely transformed. Let me prove that. Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a teenager. Any teenagers in this room, you can get this. He was stuck in fear and intimidation. And God comes along to Jeremiah and he says, you have a mighty call on your life, but fear and intimidation is holding you back. Come on, Jeremiah. It's time to get up. It's time to believe. God puts his words in Jeremiah's mouth. He says, I've given you the ability. I'm giving you the ability to tear down, to build up, to uproot nations. That's a huge call, a huge assignment upon his life. And he says to Jeremiah, if you let fear and intimidation hold you back, he says in chapter one, you will never do it. You've just got to believe me. You've got to believe that I've said that I'm who I say I am, that I'm who you say you are, and you believe that. If you believe that, get up and I'll fill you with my courage and you'll begin to pursue the kings of the world. You'll begin to move and shift nations. You'll begin to transform culture. This little teenager, this little teenager, and Jeremiah believes God. Jeremiah gets up and you look at the story of his life. He's a man of power, a man of strength, a man of God's own heart, a man of ability, all because he believed Jesus and he got up. He believed, he didn't let fear and intimidation stop him. Gideon. Gideon was a man who had a lot of family issues. Gideon's father went off and worshipped some other god. His brothers didn't like him. And Gideon had a low self-esteem, a poor self-image of himself. He, he would look at himself and he would say, I'm in the lowest clan, I'm in the lowest family, and out of all of Israel, I'm the smallest. This is Gideon. But God comes along. The angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and he says, You mighty man of valor, you mighty warrior. Didn't look like it. And Gideon's thinking, this angel sees something in me that I don't see myself. It's really important to understand that whenever God speaks to you, whenever you hear someone preach about God, that God is seeing things in you that you don't see yourself. So Gideon, he doesn't say, oh, well, God wants me to go do this, this, and this, but nah, it's not working for me. Gideon, what does he do? He believes the angel. He gets up. He follows God and what happens is he leads the nation of Israel into victory out of poverty and oppression from the surrounding nations. One man, just one man, just one man. All he did was believe. All he did was believe. All he did was say, yep, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to have faith in Jesus. I'm going to believe his word about who he says I am and I'm going to get up. I'm going to do something about it. Nehemiah. He was faced with huge challenge of the nation of Israel being destroyed and desolate. And he hears about it and his heart is wrenched for the nation. And God comes to him while he's praying and he says, I'm going to give you favour. Nehemiah is praying for favour. He's like, God, I need you to move in my life. And God doesn't shut his ears and say, blah, 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 blah. 
I'm not worried about it. No, no. He comes to Nehemiah who has the problem and he gives him direction. He gives him understanding. He gives him favour with the king. God gives Nehemiah favour with the rulers in the land and he's able to transform the city of Israel into a strong nation again. Come on. Come on. If you've got a problem today, God's got the solution for you. It's time to believe God and it's time to get up. It's time to stop wallowing in the problem and it's time to realise that God has a purpose. God has a plan for my life. God has a solution for this problem I'm going through and so I'm going to believe it and I'm going to start doing something about it. Peter, he was a man stuck in sin. Peter denied Jesus. The, the, the great apostle of faith, he, when, it, when it comes down to crunch time, when Jesus needed him most, he denied Jesus. He was stuck in sin, stuck in shame, stuck in condemnation. Judas was stuck in the same thing and it killed Judas. And Jesus comes along to Peter after he's risen and he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? He asks him three times, do you love me? Peter doesn't say no. Peter doesn't wallow in his pain, but he says, yes, Lord. And he says, if you love me, you need to go lead my church. You need to lead my people. And Peter believes Jesus. He doesn't stay stuck in his past. Too many of us define ourselves by our past, by our pain, by the actions we've done. And we believe that more than we believe the future that God has for us. See, if you're stuck in your past, you will never progress and move forward in life. You will, it says, without, the scripture says in Proverbs, without vision, my people perish. So if you don't catch God's vision, if you don't believe God and his future for your life, then you're going to be stuck in life. You're never going to progress and move forward. And so Peter, what does he do? He believes Jesus and all of a sudden, a man who denied Jesus, three months later, he leads 3,000 people to the Lord. He preaches one of the greatest sermons all because he said, I'm going to believe you, Jesus. I'm going to get up today. I'm going to get up. Even though I've been stuck in shame, even though I've been stuck in condemnation, I'm getting up. I'm getting up. You have a purpose. You have a plan for my life. You, you have a solution to the problem I'm in. I'm sick, but I'm going to believe your word that you say that you come and you heal me. I've got, I'm stuck in poverty. I'm stuck in fear. But I'm believing your word that you come and bring courage. I'm believing that you've poured your blessing out upon my life. And so I'm going to believe that and I'm getting up. I'm responding to you, Jesus. And it's in the getting up that your life is changed and transformed. Come on. It's in the getting up that you're healed. Might not happen straight away. I'm sure his knees, this invalid, I'm sure his knees were knocking together a little bit. You know, the strength was coming. But just a little bit, it would have been difficult but it's in the getting up. He popped up, bang, he's healed. Come on. And the last one, blind Bartimaeus. He's stuck on the roadside. Jesus comes along and Bartimaeus is crying out to be healed, crying out for change and transformation in his life. And Jesus doesn't keep walking. Jesus doesn't just pass him by. No, Jesus calls him. He says, come to me, which would have been difficult for a blind man. But he came to him. The blind man goes to Jesus. He says, what can I do for you? He says, Lord, 
I need to receive my sight. And Jesus says, be healed. And the man was completely healed. His life was changed in that one moment, all because he cried out to God and he got up. See, if he stayed there crying out to God, but he never got up, if he never believed Jesus, then Jesus would have just kept on going and he wouldn't have received his healing. He wouldn't have received his breakthrough. It's in our response to God. Jesus, he says, are you willing? Are you willing to choose? Are you willing to partner with God? And are you willing to believe God and get up? Are you willing to believe him in the situation you're in and to get up and respond to what he wants to do in your life? Are you willing to change? And then are you willing to believe the word of God about any situation you're in right now? And follow that word. History is full of men and women who just believed and got up. Full of men and women. Their lives were never perfect. They were like the invalid for 38 years, stuck in their pain, never going to change. This is my lot in life. But all of a sudden... They get a quickening in their heart that Jesus is here. They get a quickening in their heart that they're surrounded by God. They're in the house of tender loving kindness and mercy. They realize the love of God for them. And they don't just say, oh, that's great. No, they get up. They respond to God. They say, yes, yes, Jesus. They say yes to him. Simple obedience can change your life forever. So I want to pray for two types of people today. I felt in my heart, I want to pray for those people who you've actually never even said yes to Jesus before. I want to pray for people you've actually never even made a commitment to say, yes, Jesus, you have this great plan and purpose for my life and I want to follow you and I want to give my life to you. And then I want to pray for those people. I felt like there were people here and it's like you've been following God and and this has been the train track, but it's like you've been derailed. And And you've known God for a long time, but you feel like that your purpose Uh, your assignment in life is never going to happen. And so I want to pray for those people uh, that you will be released into your assignment, that you will be released into God's purpose for your life. See, Jesus comes along and he doesn't just heal us, but he shoots us off into our destiny. He comes along to this invalid. He doesn't just heal him and let him go. No, no, the man is now able to walk. He's now able to follow Jesus He's now able to go and make a difference, make an impact in his life and his family. He's now able to go and bring healing to other people because he sees how it's done. So we thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're here, that your kingdom is here, Lord. Thank you that you create faith in people that you do the work for us, God, that we just have to respond to you. That's all we have to do. You initiate it, Holy Spirit.
Reveal yourself to people right now. Holy Spirit, reveal the love of Jesus. Pour your love out in people's hearts right now. Thank you that you come and that you set people free from years and years and years of hopelessness. I want to pray for those right now who you've never received, you've never fully committed to Jesus, received Him in your heart. He loves you. He's here. His mercy, His kindness, His favour is towards you today. His deep desire, like in Luke chapter 15, is that He would pursue you, pursue you, pursue you, and that you would respond to Him. He's a God of relationship and intimacy. And He wants to come and completely and radically change and transform your life. And Father, I thank you right now for those who have been derailed. Thank you for those who feel like they're lost. Because Jesus, you say you came to seek, you came to save, you came to restore that which was lost in people's lives. Jesus, I decree over those who are standing right now that they are mighty men and women of God. We thank you for your call upon their life. Thank you, Father, that you come along and you're the spirit of revelation. Thank you that you reveal your calling in people's lives. Thank you that you reveal the assignment that they have upon their life. And I decree over them that they are mighty in God to rule and reign in life. I decree that you are in Christ, that Jesus lives in you, that you have the ability, you have the power, that God has released His blessing, His favour, His anointing in your life, and you are anointed to break free. I decree over you right now that you are anointed to break free in Jesus' mighty name. And even like David, King David went down into the stronghold and he learnt that it was the, the stronghold of breakthrough. The Lord of breakthrough was with him. Baal Perazim was where his stronghold was. And I decree over every single person who's standing today that God is your stronghold, that He is the Lord of breakthrough, that He's the God who comes and saves. He's the God who's intimate and close with you today. And I release in Jesus' name incredible breakthrough and freedom in your life. I thank you for passion and purpose being released into these people's hearts, Lord. Reveal your fire within them. Unlock in them, Lord, your great desire and purpose and fire in their life. Thank you for the wells of salvation springing up in people's hearts. In Jesus' mighty name.